Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, Welcome to church. My name is Kale. I'm the Connections Pastor here at Antioch. And um, I'm just excited to jump right into week two of this series that uh, Travis kicked off last week called I Have Seen the Lord. Um, Something about me is I love titles of things. Does anyone love a good title? I knew I was probably the only one. I, I love titles of things though. I, I love uh, titles of movies, books, songs, uh, albums, you name it. I love a good title. I love that a title of something can often kind of tell a story before the story's even told. You know, you, you used to, or, you know, used to go through Blockbuster. You guys remember Blockbuster? You used to walk around and, and you would look at the different things. You go, oh, that movie looks good. Well, why? Maybe because the, the cover, but also because the title, right? Titles pull us in, they draw us in, they provoke emotion uh, in our hearts. Uh, when I was in college, I, I used to have a Word doc on my computer that was just like a, a list of different titles that I had come up with for different books or songs. And there was just probably all together, probably close to 50, just titles. I'd be drive in or walk in and be like, oh, that'd be a cool title. That'd be a cool title. Never wrote the songs and probably will never write the books, but the titles are amazing, okay? Uh, I, I love a good title. I love how titles can captivate our attention and draw us into a deeper story. And I was thinking a lot this week about this title, I've Seen the Lord. And I think that's really the aim of the title of this series, And our hope and prayer is that even just this simple phrase, I have seen the Lord, would stir something deep within your heart. That today and over the next few weeks, as you're gonna hear this a lot, I have seen the Lord, that your heart would be provoked to consider all of the divine implications that that simple phrase could have over your life. And so before we move along to the rest of this morning, I just wanna pause for a moment and pray that that would happen in and among us today. To pray for a fresh stirring in our hearts and for an openness to allow the spirit of God to captivate our attention and draw us deeper into what it truly means to say, I have seen the Lord. So go ahead and stand up with me. And instead of just praying over our own hearts this morning, I I just want us to pray for each other. And so uh, we're gonna take 60 seconds here to pray for the person on your left. And then we're gonna take another 60 seconds to pray for the person on your right. This is the church. This is the family of God. I don't know what you're coming in here this morning with. Maybe your heart is ready to receive or maybe you're tired and you're weary. The good news is that that we are a family and we care for each other and we love one another. And so we're gonna take 60 seconds and we're just gonna pray for the person on your right. So if you need to look to your right and introduce yourself, um, go ahead and do that right now. But then just take 60 seconds and pray for them this morning that they would be able to have a heart to receive the word of God this morning.
few more seconds. All right, let's switch it up. Let's pray for the person on your left in faith that their hearts would be open and ready to receive all that God has for them this morning. more seconds. God, thank you for every heart in this room. And I pray, Spirit of God, that you would soften our hearts this morning to receive your word, not just in our minds, not just in some notes on a page in a journal, but deep within our hearts, God, would your word accomplish what its purpose to do in us and through us this morning. No matter what kind of chaos we came into here this morning with, no matter what scheme of the enemy has tried to get us out of position to receive, no, this morning in the name of Jesus, I position every heart to rightly receive from the Father. Come and have your way. It, it has to be you. We love you and we're ready to receive from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys all prayed up? <laughs> hey, last week we looked at seeing the Lord as our redeemer. And we heard a beautiful and powerful testimony from Taylor Benjamin about the redeeming nature of the God that we serve. If you weren't here or you didn't get a chance uh, to watch that, we just encourage you to hop online and, and watch that powerful testimony. I believe it'll encourage and strengthen your heart. And this morning though, we're gonna talk about the Lord as our deliverer. Everyone say deliverer. God is a deliverer. It's not just something that he does, it's part of who he is. All throughout the narrative scripture, time and time again, we see God step in to deliver and rescue his people. You read through the, the pages of Exodus where God faithfully delivers his people out of slavery and under the harsh rule of Pharaoh into the promised land. Or you can flip through the, the book of Daniel and read, a, read about how even a den of lions and a fiery furnace was no match for the hand of God. From the war-torn battlefields in the book of Joshua to the dark and lonely caves of the Psalms, God shows up as a deliverer to his people. I read somewhere this week that in the Hebrew language, uh, over 20 different words are for the word deliverance. The Hebrew language contains over 20 different words for the word deliverance. It's like God delivered his people time and time again so much that they had to like create new words just to describe the work of God in their lives. And so as I've been preparing for this message, I've just been scratching my head all week long. Like, where do we begin with this? Like, 
to sum up God the deliverer in like 20 minutes, how, how can we even do that? Even if time were no constraint, we would only just scratch the surface of the faithful God that we serve. Like John said in his gospel, if every one of his works were written down and described one by one, I suppose that the world itself wouldn't have enough room to contain the books that would have to be written. Man, how true is that? And so this morning, with the small amount of time we have, I just really want us to look at one of David's Psalms together. Uh, you can go ahead and turn there. It's Psalm 18. And um, maybe less of a sermon and more kind of like a devotional this morning. I wish we were like in a living room, like I could just sit the whole time. But um, I, there's just two main things that the Lord really highlighted to me out of this passage that I wanna share with us this morning. I tried my best to think of three points like any good preacher would, but two is all I got for us. So you're gonna have to settle for two today. But through them, I, I hope that your heart is encouraged and, and strengthened like mine has been all week. So Psalm 18, let's read it, verses one through three. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of, of my salvation, my stronghold, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. Such a powerful verse from the mouth of David. In just three short verses, David lists 10 different ways that he has come to know God. Each of them are unique and powerful in, in their own right, but stitched and woven together here in the opening of Psalm 18, they form a kind of banner over David's life. A banner that could read, I have seen the Lord and he is my deliverer. This is a picture of what we're after, like to see and know God this way. I don't know about you, but I read this and I go, man, I want that. I wanna know God as my deliverer like that. Not just to be able to say it or, you know, oh, amen, but like to really say, no, I've seen the Lord and he is my deliverer. But what I really want us to look at this morning is not just the revelation that David had, but how he got it. Because sometimes it's all too easy to read a passage like that and, you know, we get excited. So maybe we print it out or find an old rustic piece of wood to paint the verse on and hang it up in our house, you know, and it looks good on our wall. It serves as a reminder to us, but very rarely does it actually go from the wall down into our hearts or show up in our everyday lives. And so as I've been reading and reflecting on this passage this week, I, I've just really been asking the, the simple question, how do we get there? How did, how did David get there? What is it that we need to see the Lord as our deliverer like David did? And, and again, there's, there's so many things that we could look at. This message is, is nowhere near a comprehensive teaching on the topic of God as our deliverer. But at its most basic level, I think there are really just two foundational things that I think every believer will need to possess if they are going to see the Lord as our deliverer. The first is this. If we're going to see the Lord as our deliverer, we are going to need hardships. 
In verses four through five, David in his true poetic form paints a vivid picture, picture for us describing what his own hardships looked like. He says this in continuing on in verses four through five, the ropes of death entangled me. Floods of destruction swept over me. The grave wrapped its ropes around me. Death laid a trap in my path. Or in the message, the currents of chaos overwhelmed me. Has anyone ever felt that way? Maybe a maybe less poetic way to say it is, life is just really hard sometimes, amen? Life is hard. Man, personally, this season for me, these past few weeks have just been hard. I'm a pretty over-emotional person, so I might agree with David, like the cords of death, you know, but, but I, I feel it like the hardship of life. Life is hard. Marriage is stretching. Finances are frustrating. Kids make you smile in one moment and just make you pull your beard hair out the second. It's all I have left. But life, <laughs> life is, is hard. Life is hard. Sometimes we hope and, and we believe for situations to happen or we go, oh man, this season is gonna be different. And it doesn't turn out that way. And we leave frustrated and disappointed and we have more questions than answers and frustrations mount up relentlessly over our lives. We find ourselves in situations where Fear, doubt, and frustration mount up like waves that just relentlessly crash over the shores of our life. And the struggle to fight through them and find any sort of like stability or like path forward leaves us overwhelmed and exhausted. But I've found this to be true in my own life, and I'm sure many of you as well, that it's often those same seasons of chaos and hardship that the Lord reveals himself more beautiful than ever. I don't know how, but he does. He has a way of taking our hardship and making something beautiful out of it. And that's what's about to happen here in Psalm 18. David's about to go off, okay, for the rest of the chapter, 44 verses. The next 44 verses, all about the beautiful revelation that he has from the Lord as his deliverer. But listen, all of it is received out of the distress that we just read. And so if we're reading the words of David this morning, we're saying, wow, I, man, I want that kind of revelation in my heart. I wanna see God as my deliverer like that. Then we need to understand that we cannot see the Lord as deliverer without the hardships that require him to be one. We cannot see the Lord as deliverer without the hardships that require him to be one. If we are going to see the Lord as deliverer, we need hardship. As difficult and frustrating as they might be, they can also be the very thing that draws us closer to God himself and in the end leaves us clinging tightly to him more than ever before. Seeing our hardships rightly actually position us correctly to know him more deeply. The famous preacher Charles Spurgeon put it this way, in seasons of severe trial, the Christian has nothing on earth that he can trust to. 
and is therefore compelled to cast himself onto God alone. When no human deliverance can avail, he must simply and entirely trust himself to the providence and care of God. Happy a storm that wrecks a man on such a rock as this. Oh, blessed hurricane that drives the soul of man to God. We need these happy storms and blessed hurricanes because they lead us where we would very rarely ever choose to go, the end of ourselves. But that's the perfect place for a deliverer to show up. Let's keep reading. Verse six says, in my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help from his temple. He heard my voice and my cry to him reached his ears. In David's distress, what did he do? He cried out to God for help. Not after his distress, not kind of after it started making more sense, but no, in the chaos and confusion of unresolved chaos, he calls out to God for help. This leads us to our other foundational need, that if we are going to see the Lord as our deliverer, we need to surrender the need to be our own. This may seem simple, but how often do we in the middle of distress and the hardships that we face go straight to working out our own deliverance instead of trusting on the Lord for his? We live uh, in a culture that praises and applauds self-reliance, determination, and a, you know, pick yourself up by the bootstraps and get it done kind of mentality. And while there is nothing wrong with taking initiative and working hard, those are all great things we need to be careful how we can convince ourselves where our help comes from. Because we cannot see the Lord as our deliverer if we insist on being our own. And so again, this may seem like a harsh truth, but I promise you this is good news for your soul this morning. You don't, listen, you don't have to be responsible for your own deliverance. You don't. God is so much better at it than we are. David gives us a picture of what it looks like when God steps in. It's pretty long. Verses seven through 15 is David once again poetically saying, you wanna know what God the deliverer, you don't wanna know what it looks like when he intervenes, when he comes in and steps into your situation. You wanna know what it looks like when he steps into your family or your finances on your marriage. David's gonna show us In verses seven through 15, he says this, then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations also of the mountains trembled and quaked because God was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth, glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, thick clouds dark with water. Out of the brightness before him, hailstones and coals of fire broke through his clouds. 
The Lord also thundered in the heavens and the most high uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. And he sent out his arrows and scattered them. He flashed forth lightnings and routed them. Then the channels of the sea were seen and the foundations of the world were laid bare at your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of your nostrils. This is a bonus verse, verse 16. He sent from on high, he took me, he drew me out of many waters. Listen, God did for David what David never could have done for himself. When we try and work out our own deliverance, we're bound to our own limitations. We only have so much energy and resources and time and and strength. A, A deliverance by us is bound to us, but a deliverance by God is bound to God. And he has no limitations. I mean, did you just read that? Do we need to read it again? That, that's the God, that is God the deliverer working, moving heaven and earth on your behalf to rescue you. You can't do that for yourself, but he can and he's faithful to come. He can move all of creation to work on your behalf. When we surrender the need to be our own deliverer, we actually set ourselves up, set ourselves free to receive the fullness of his character and nature working and fighting for us. This is what it means to see the Lord as your deliverer, to trust in his ability to overwhelm what has overwhelmed you. He is a good God and he is a faithful deliverer. We have a, another testimony that we're gonna watch this morning that I think really gives some, some practicals to what this looks like in our lives. Again, we can see this in David and, and we can go, yeah, that's great, but how, what does it look like just for us living in our lives? How, how, do we, how do we see the Lord as deliverer? And so we've got another testimony we want to watch this morning that I hope stirs our faith to see what this looks like in our lives. Watch this with me. My name is Michael Benjamin. I have seen the Lord. He is a deliverer. Uh, Born and raised here. Actually grew up right down the street uh, on Ray McClintock. So we didn't grow up with any faith background, ended up finding the Lord my senior year of high school through a friend. There was a radical change in my life when I was saved and um, just really, really following the Lord, really striving to, to live a righteous life. I just continued, especially after my wife and I got married, I just continued to come up short uh, in the area of sexual sin. We've been married for 10 years now and I would say into year three is when um, things started to really surface between my wife and I. And it it wasn't that I was addicted to porn or um, going out to bars or, you know, indulging in any of those things. If I saw an image that triggered me or if I saw a person that triggered me, um, you know, I'd I'd try and take those thoughts captive, but it just, it wouldn't work. Um, What she would say just felt like, you know, 
when the, when there was those times of sin and acting out that I was cheating on her and, and that's the way it made her feel and um, it's totally valid um, for her to feel that way and it no matter how much scripture I read no matter how much accountability I had like I just couldn't shake the thoughts and so it finally came to a point in 2021 when um, I just basically had enough I was like I I need help you know like I've sought help but like I really need help and I can't continue to basically just keep going around this same mountain and running into the same um, same wall every time, you know, tripping over the same rock. And so uh, I met with a pastor here at Antioch and basically just divulged everything to him and he got in the trenches with me. And so eventually I got um, connected with a, it was a sex addiction, addiction counselor, which I never thought I would be in a room with, right? And I would get so upset because you know, I felt like this was something that I was just gonna have to deal with and manage for the rest of my life and that I could never overcome it. The only thing that would overcome it was death, you know? So getting to uh, December time, it's like the middle of D school. At this point, I'm getting frustrated, you know, like, God, I've, I've laid myself out there. You have to set me free. Like, you have to fix this. We get to another point of just a very uh, low in our marriage, and so that really shifted us a little bit into thinking, into moving into more of the spiritual side of things and, and what exactly was going on spiritually. There could be something demonic here, something from the enemy that was not possessing me because you know I've been bought with the blood of Jesus, but oppressing me and where I felt like I had to choose to live um, this life of sin, just continue to like allow and, and allow this life of sin to to rule my life or just desperately cry out for the Lord. And so I half jokingly told Taylor, maybe I should just fast and ask God to heal me or, or just die. And she looks at me and goes, yeah, you should totally do that. And I was like, uh, okay, I guess that's what I'm doing. And so this was a Sunday evening and basically at that point I committed, I was like, I am fasting and God's gonna heal me or I'm gonna die. And I was 100% committed to it, and I was, I was 100% okay with either outcome because there was no way that I was gonna continue to live in the bondage that I was living in. And I was okay with like not living anymore because of it, yet I was hopeful that like God would show up and set me free. And so I had plans that week to work, you know, Monday through Thursday, take a tent, a Bible, and a couple cases of water and go up to the mountains. And, and this is in December, so it's cold and basically just hash it out with the Lord and either come back down set free or not come back. Um, I ended up getting in touch with the pastor here uh, on Wednesday. Like we're thinking I have oppression from the enemy. Is that something you think is like, possible and could be here? And he goes, yeah, definitely. I mean, we can definitely look at that and, and, and dive into it and see what happens. And so he's like, when do you want to do it? And I was like, now, I've been fasting for three days now. <laughs> so I come up to the church here and we meet and basically do an impromptu listening prayer for two hours. And I was repenting of believing the lies. I was renouncing of partnering with this, um, you know, the enemy. And I was forgiving people, forgiving myself, and just really releasing myself of all ties that the enemy had on me. The pastor was like, hey, I, I, you know, think we've basically 
set everything straight here. We've forgiven everyone we need forgiven. We've repented of everything we need to repent for. And like, I think it's time to tell us, tell this thing to leave. He prayed and then I still, you know, I still felt this pain in my chest. So he invited me to pray and by like Jesus's name, like you have no authority to be here anymore. You have no rule over my life and you have um, like, you have no right to be here anymore and you must leave in Jesus name. And as I was praying that I just felt this tingling from my head all the way down like my body and down my legs and then out my feet. And I looked up and I was like, it's gone. And he goes, it's gone. And we both are just like, oh my goodness, like what just happened? And like in that moment, my eyes were opened again and it was like I got saved again. So we're just rejoicing, praising God, worshiping and I walk out of the building, get in the car, listening to worship on the way home, and I'm just crying. You know, I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it more clear than I've ever heard it before. And um, I get home, and I walk in the door, and I look at Taylor, and she looks at me, and she goes, "It's gone." And I was like, "Yeah, it's gone." And so we're. She's she's in shock. I'm like in shock, but just like totally pumped. And basically, in that moment, God God set me free. And um, it took all that time of me just putting it all out there and, and being desperate for the Lord to show up, being desperate desperate for Him to deliver me, and he, and he came through and did it. And it is so freeing and so amazing to be able to say no and to be able to look the other way and to be able to know that what Jesus did on the cross has literally transformed every single part of me and my heart, my mind, and my body. Go ahead and stand with me and I'm gonna move just into a time of response. I mean, what, what better way, what other thing could we do other than just to respond to the Lord? And, you know, I, I don't know what you're up against. I don't know what kind of things you might be overwhelmed with today. Maybe there was pieces of what I shared that really stood out to you. Maybe finances are frustrating. Maybe your marriage seems like it couldn't get stretched anymore. Maybe there's just pain or confusion you're trying to wrestle with. Maybe you too have more unanswered questions. But whatever it is this morning, I think what we see in the life of David was this, this place where he learned how to, in his distress, turn his eyes to the Lord and call upon him for rescue and for deliverance. And I'd venture to think too, that most of us with the issues that we have in some sort of way, we may be tired this morning from trying to figure it all out. And I believe the Lord wants to deliver you from that today. I believe some of you, the Lord wants to deliver you from having to always fight for yourself. And he wants to come and he wants to fight for you. What he did for David, he wants to do for you. What he did for Michael, he, he wants to do for you. And so again, it's just simple. Sometimes we overcomplicate things. There's space up front just to come and lay before the Lord 
and call out to him in your distress. That's what response is. We do it every week, but this morning I just, I do feel like there's just some in the room who feel so overwhelmed and God's wanting to, to take you and, and look you in the eye and just say, I want to be your deliverer. And he's wanting to rescue you and heal you. There's a rock for you to crash onto this morning and his name is Jesus. So I'm gonna pray for us as we move into this time of response. God, the first thing that comes to mind is just how can it be true? How, how can you be that good? Is it really true that you can do that for me? Is it really true that what you did for David thousands of years ago, you, you would step into my heart, into my situation and you would, you would do that for me? And I just hear the voice of God ringing through this building this morning. Yes, yes, my son, yes, my daughter, it is true. I am a deliverer. You call upon me and I hear your cries for help and I will come. Maybe not always in the way that we would like or we would expect, but you never leave us. You're with us. And so I just pray for every heart in this room, God, for every storm, for every blessed hurricane. I pray that they would cause us to crash onto you and to cling to you. Whatever grip that we've just been white knuckling it through this season going, man, I've got to figure this out or else it's all going to go to, to nothing. I just, I, I see it. Your, your hands just releasing that grip and the Lord saying, hold on to me. You're gripping so tightly to trying to find a solution, but I want to be your rescue. I want to be your help. So Lord, we just come. We don't know any other way than just to lay out before you and say that we need a deliverer. Would you come and fight for us? Come and do for us what we could never do for ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.